We're joined on the line now by Narina Fisser, strategist at ETFSA. Good morning, Narina. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to all the listeners as well. So since we last spoke, it was hot and dry, and um, you know, across the country, then we had a bit of cold weather, and according to the weather, uh, weather forecast, there's another heat wave this week. So we also hear reports of water scarcity, there's drought problems. What does all of this mean for agricultural crop and ultimately food inflation? Oh, Sakina, not good, I'm afraid. Um, yes, I think uh, most of us are very aware of the, of the very hot and dry conditions. And, you know, in the northwest province, we've had a um, water uh, restriction since June already. Um, most recently, KwaZulu-Natal has also been declared a disaster area from a drought point of view. The Western Cape and the Northern Cape also very much affected by it. Um, so this is certainly a countrywide problem. And if the, if the longer-term weather forecasts are anything to go by, it doesn't seem as though we can expect any reasonable rain for it for a number of months. So I think we really are reaching quite critical levels, not just in terms of the drought and, and water scarcity, but of course then also the knock-on effect that that has to, to agricultural production and ultimately also um, uh, cattle farming and, and poultry farming and so on. So this really does cut quite deep into our food inflation basket. And I do think that as much as the sort of 30% decline that we seen in the RAND over the last year, as much as that has not really filtered specifically into into inflation yet, I think the food inflation problem could very well push um, our, our CPI, our consumer inflation number, quite a bit higher over months to come. So this just sort of adds to um, the dilemma that the Reserve Bank will find themselves in, in that they certainly would like to keep interest rates relatively low in order to support the economic growth outlook, but these exogenous factors, which is a essentially what a drought and, and, and the water scarcity amounts to, these exogenous factors causes pressure on the inflation rate, which for them in order to sort of keep face in terms of their inflation target policy, policy means that they, they might actually be forced to, to push interest rates higher at a time when the country can't really afford it. So not a, not a great way to start off the week. Um, I think just uh, as, as much as each of us can try and contribute in terms of water usage, um, that would be great but unfortunately as far as agriculture is concerned what we really do need is the water that comes straight from heaven and um, you know speaking of agriculture and what goes on there a few weeks ago we spoke about AGOA now last week we see President Obama also getting involved in it where do we stand on this right now Narina? You know, the standoff sort of pretty much continues. So the, the ultimatum that was issued by President Obama last week really said that unless South Africa gets its act together in terms of allowing that uh, poultry agreement that was in, put in place in June this year, unless this is, is ratified and, and, and put into place by the end of this year, um, then he will be pulling the plug for South Africa on its participation in AGOA, this African Growth and Opportunities Act. Now, you know, there's, there's certainly two camps on that. On the one side, there are those that feel that South Africa is once again scoring an own goal here and that surely allowing the poultry imports into South Africa um, would be great. I mean, considering that actually we um, are short of chicken in South Africa, we actually can't produce enough domestically to meet domestic demand. And, and I mean, the, the, the bit of, of chicken that we will be importing from, from um, America actually pales in significance compared to the amount of chicken that we import from Brazil. And even 
the Netherlands, for example. So purely from just a poultry import point of view, there doesn't seem to be any reason why this should not be allowed to go ahead. But on the other hand, there's also an attitude of, is this just the U.S. being a bully once again? Are they just trying to sort of um, pressure a smaller country into playing by its rules? And that this is definitely not a bilateral agreement, but rather just a, a one-sided um, agreement. I think both sides have merit to this, and, and I think rather than standing and fighting in terms of who's right or who's wrong in all of this, I think our effort and our time should rather be spent on, on rectifying the situation. I don't think South Africa can currently afford to be excluded from any export agreements or global trade agreements such as AGOA, so really everything should be done in order to try and, and rectify the situation from our side. It seems as though it's really just about um, vet approvements um, of, of the poultry and, and beef and, and pork imports as well. But at the same time also, you know, it just sort of shows you again what great opportunity there is. Um, you know, we talk about uh, mining and we talk about industrialization of South Africa, but here's an excellent opportunity for money to be spent on promoting small farmers, of poultry farmers, to really service the domestic demand that we have. And it seems as though we're just not focusing our efforts in areas where we can really make a difference in terms of both economic growth but also the much-needed jobs growth. Mm-hmm. And then here's an interesting one, Narina, uh, and I'm not sure how many people actually realize that the JSE is one of the oldest institutions in Johannesburg, and I believe uh, the JSE celebrated its birthday yesterday. Tell us more about that. Indeed, indeed, the JSE founded on the 8th of November, 1887, which makes it all of 128 years old. So um, I, I think uh, we, we know that the that Johannesburg was sort of founded around the turn of the of the previous century, but um, of course it was the discovery of gold here in the Witwatersrand that really led to um, the establishment of the original um, JSE. And, and for many, many years that was really the basis for our stock exchange was um, specifically our gold companies and then later on also all the other mining and resources companies. Of course, today it's a much different animal than it was 128 years ago with with mining and, and especially gold companies making up a much smaller percentage of our stock exchange. But I think certainly one of those institutions that as South Africans we can be incredibly proud of. So often we focus on global rankings where South Africa seems to be languishing sort of in the bottoms of the ranks. But when it comes to the stock exchange and especially around corporate governance and when it comes to, to settlement and, and quality of this financial institution, the JSE ranks amongst the top three to five institutions or stock exchanges in the world in terms of its, its corporate governance and, and settlement procedures. Um, and it is one of the 20 largest stock exchanges in the world. So um, wonderful to be able to, to end the day off on a, on a positive note and to remind ourselves that uh, um, at a day like today, we're after Friday, uh, jobs data in the U.S. caused the RAND to weaken dramatically, and our own market was quite low a, a week on, on Friday. I think we could probably expect that uh, some positive impetus coming through from the East and maybe a bit of a boost from from RAND weakness this morning uh, should lead to, to a bit of more positivity on, on our uh, birthday boy being the JSE today. Well, happy belated birthday to the JSE. I'm sure they'll celebrate one way or another today, Narina. <laughs> but um, we get a bit of cup, some cupcakes as uh, well, well. Well, we hope so. We'll see <laughs> what happens. Uh, but we'll leave it there for this morning. Speak to you again tomorrow. That was Narina Fisser, strategist at ETFSA. It's 10 minutes before 7.